0: Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey, for that um, long reading. It's long and a little bit repetitive, maybe, so you kind of get the point. Did you get the point that it's something about faith? I don't know how many times you heard that word. Um, Hebrews, uh, if, if you're visiting here um, at Mary Creek today, like I am, uh, here... They're in a sermon series on the book of Hebrews, and um, we're up to chapter 11, so some of it, for some of you, might come a little bit out of nowhere. Um, And Hebrews is a book in the New Testament that is written to a church, uh, like the people gathered here today, to encourage them in their Christian faith. Verse 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This week, um, as I was reflecting on these words, I felt that they were pretty relevant. This week, uh, right now, and even this morning, it feels to me like there is lots that I hope for that I do not yet see. As we reflect uh, this morning on the dedication of Felix and Chester... And our hopes and our dreams for those boys and my hopes and my dreams for my children, my daughter and my son. There is lots that we hope for, that we do not yet see and that maybe we fear we may never see. Right now in our country and in some other countries, We have elected officials who don't believe in climate change. We have elected officials who want to exclude people from our nation based on their religion, based on their race. We have um, an elected official who boasts about sexually assaulting women and who boasts that it is power and privilege that enables him to do that and then he's given power and privilege. In Victoria, we also have an elected official who gets his dogs driven around in a government paid-for car and I don't know what you're meant to make of that, how much you meant to care about that. But I, like so many people, and perhaps you were one of them, got my predictions about this American election vastly wrong. I was confident I said, and I truly believe that America would have its first female president. And I was really excited. Hebrews says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Some people uh, get a bit nervous about talking about politics in church. And if that's you, I'm sorry. Not here? Peter <laughs> says not here, that's all right. And others might say, well, that's not the hope that this passage is talking about. This isn't about women presidents. But it is, kind of. It's not about Hillary being president, that's neither here nor there. But the things that we hope for in faith in God, the things that we look forward to, that God has promised to do one day, include... The restoration of the earth that we have damaged. The image in the book of Revelation of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, people from every place around our globe worshipping God together, without barrier. The things that we look forward to include the end of discrimination towards women. Include the hungry being fed and the sick being healed. These are all a part of the picture that we hope for in God. And right now it feels to me like there's a lot that we hope for that we do not yet see. The writer to the Hebrews uh, in this letter, although it was probably a sermon, um delivered at first, and you can kind of hear the, uh, the echoes of a preacher when he says, I don't even have time to tell you about X, Y, and Z, and then goes on and tells you all about X, Y, and Z, is uh, calling his hearers to perseverance in the faith. In difficult times, they're suffering persecution and insult, temptation perhaps to fall back to what they knew before, the passing of time... The cooling of their passion, perhaps. And it seems that these people were having trouble staying the course as Christians. They were discouraged and deflated. No doubt something that many of us feel from time to time. And after the warnings of chapter 10, if you heard that last week or you've read it yourself, chapter 11 seeks to inspire his hearers with an exhortation to faith based on this great list of the heroes of faith from the Old Testament. Men and women, though mostly men, who trusted in God, who acted righteously, who acted courageously and received what they hoped for in God, in part. These people stand as as an example of faith for us, But uh, the image that follows in what wasn't read, but at the start of chapter 12, no one's got Bibles do you, so you can't look it up. Uh, At the start of chapter 12 of Hebrews in verse 1, it has this image of them, not just as an example, but almost like a cheer squad. They're called a cloud of witnesses, like a crowd of witnesses, perhaps spectators or fans lining up on the sidelines as you're running the race cheering you on, clapping, spurring you on as you come towards the finishing line. That's the image in Chapter 12 of this list of people that we've read about. And it's a great image, I think, for our service today, for a dedication service, when we think about our role in the lives of children like Felix and Chester. As we want to see them grow in faith, we stand you stand as members of their body here at Mary Creek as a cloud of witnesses. Today, 20 years from now, maybe somewhere in the periphery of their lives, 50 years from now, maybe uh, only in memory as spiritual ancestors, but we stand as a cloud of witnesses. An example and an encouragement in faith. <clears throat> some of these stories from the Old Testament people you probably know well, and uh, some will be less familiar. But I want to have a look at what uh, something that this kind of honour roll of people teaches us about faith by looking a little bit more closely at uh, one of what you might think is perhaps the more unlikely inclusions, and that's Rahab the prostitute. Rahab's one of two women on the list, and she's unusual on this list for several reasons. One, because she's a w- woman. There aren't many women on the list. Other, the only other one is Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who bears the promised child. And Rahab is the only one who's in there uh, in her own right, you might say. Number two, Rahab is a foreigner. She's not an Israelite, she's a Canaanite. She's not automatically one of these people that uh, fits with this list of Israelite men, the heroes of the faith. Number three, and the name gives it away, for all eternity she is called Rahab the prostitute. Number three, she's a prostitute. She is not considered a moral example. In fact, Rahab represents everything that is the total opposite, of the model citizen for the Israelite community. She is the ultimate outsider. She's a woman, she's a foreigner, she is morally questionable. And when we first meet her in Joshua chapter 2, she lives in the city, Jericho, that the Israelites have just been told to conquer and destroy. So she's an inhabitant of the place that is meant to be destroyed so that God's people can move in. This is in Joshua chapter 2. So how does she come to feature in this list of heroes of the faith? You might know a little bit of her story, but I'm going to tell you a few little bits and pieces that I think are relevant for us in Christian faith today. After Moses dies, Joshua takes over the leadership of the Israelites, And it's his job to lead this military campaign uh, to bring the Israelite people into the promised land. And the book of Joshua and this part of the story of the people of the Old Testament is all about forging an identity for Israel, for the nation of Israel. And that's about having a land. It's about behaviour, moral behaviour expressed in obedience to God's law and it's about ethnic separation. And this is the context in which we meet Rahab. She's a person who's in the land that uh, they're meant to take. She's a person who is morally questionable, and she's a person of uh, another ethnicity. So she's uh, got crosses on all the boxes for the things that uh, Israel are meant to be forging their identity through and from. She is everything that is other. But as God would have it, she becomes the one on whom the fate of Israel rests. The Israelites send some spies into Jericho. They're meant to go on a reconnaissance mission, suss out the kind of military power, see if they're going to win this battle. Instead of doing their job, they go and visit a prostitute. Uh, Also, they're not very stealthy, and we find out... Uh, that the king has found out that they're in the city and he comes looking for them at Rahab's house. So total failure as spies. What will Rahab do? She holds all the power. Rahab hides the spies. She lies to the king's men who come to her house to find them. She sends the man on on a wild goose chase and she comes up with a plan to save the Israelite spies but she asks for something in return. And there's a great speech in Joshua chapter 2 about how God is going to deliver Jericho into the Israelites' hands, about the great deeds of God in the past, about the power of God. And who gives the speech? It's not the spies pleading for their lives, convincing Rahab to help them. Rahab gives a speech to the spies about the power of God. She has heard of God. She knows who God is. And she wants to be a part of God's people. And so she asks the Israelite spies for mercy and she acts to save them. Because of her kindness to them, she asked for kindness in return. And the story, as you read it in the Old Testament, is almost kind of comical in its telling. It works on this reversal of expectations. These good guys, good guys who fail. And this woman from whom we expect nothing at all shows all the traits of a righteous person of faith. And in fact, the word that Rahab uses when she asks the spies for kindness (coughs) is the word, the Hebrew word, hesed. Hesed is usually used in the Bible of the steadfast love and loyalty of God. God's covenant love for his people and his acts of mercy towards them. It's a description not just of the acts of God but of the character of God. This is what God is like. He is a God of covenant love, a God of faithfulness, a God of mercy. And so when Rahab asks the spies to spare her life, she's actually invoking the character of God. God's mercy and kindness. She's stating quite plainly to them that her kindness to them, her loyalty to them, springs from her loyalty and her faith in God. And she is calling on them to act in faithfulness in return to her. What she does here is uh, remarkably courageous. The ultimate outsider just one chapter before, she's, she's destined for destruction in the city of Jericho. Jericho. She expresses her faith in God and she invokes with great courage some kind of reciprocity between herself and these spies who otherwise intend to kill her. So anyway, the spies agree, they bargain their lives for hers, they head back to the Israelites' camp and they report back to Joshua. They come back and they say, Surely the Lord has given the city into our hands. How do they know this? Uh, Not because they did their reconnaissance and found out anything about the army, not because they did their job, but because those were the very words that Rahab had spoken to them. Surely the Lord has given this city into your hands. They repeat her words And she then in the story functions almost like the prophet. And it's her words that provide the impetus for Israel to act. So Israel actually attacked the city, they conquer it, and as promised, Rahab and her family are spared and they become a part of the nation of Israel. And so if you remember in the context of this book, uh, what's happening in the history of the people of God, I've said it's about defining identity. It's about defining identity geographically, ethnically, morally. Who are the people of God? And here, at, right at the beginning of this story, the first city that they're going to conquer, the first other people that are meant to be uh, destroyed, here is this woman who presents everything that's meant to be what they're getting out of that land who acts in faith, saves the spies, sets them on a course to victory and becomes a part of their nation. And so even here in the Old Testament in the story about Israel and the land we have these hints that there's more going on. And that faith is the decisive factor. That faith, not ethnicity, not gender, faith is the decisive factor. And this is why Rahab's faith is celebrated in Hebrews 11. Rahab demonstrates faith and loyalty to God, she demonstrates courage and risk-taking. She acts for the people of God and so she receives acceptance into the people of God and her life is spared. But Rahab's faith, just like the faith of all the men listed here in Hebrews chapter 11, tells us a little bit more than that as well. If you zoom out again a little bit to look at all uh, of the chapter, I think that this list of people of faith tells us three things about faith. First, uh, and the obvious, is that faith is what God requires of us. It makes the point that it's faith alone that makes us righteous. Even in the Old Testament, uh, which we so often categorise as being about law and about about obedience, it's always faith that God was after. It was faith that God commended. And that is why Rahab, who is everything that you're not supposed to be, through faith can you become a part of the people of God. Second, uh, it shows us not just that faith is what uh, reckons us righteous before God, but also faith is the mechanism through which God grants blessing and sometimes even miraculous blessing. So it says, "Faith. by faith the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, by faith the walls of Jericho fell, by faith Rahab's life was spared. But third, the author tells us that they received blessing and miracles from God. They did not receive all that God had promised. says at the end of the chapter, they were still living by faith when they died. His point is that all these people uh, in the Old Testament looked forward to something that they never in their human lifetimes actually received. The argument of this passage is that somehow their faith in God, their response to what they knew of God, was somehow also faith in Jesus, faith in Christ, even though they didn't know it. What they looked forward to was him. And it's only because of what Jesus has done for us in our place that we come to God in faith and are considered righteous. So these Old Testament believers were, in one sense, appropriating this act of Jesus. And yet, it says, because they did not know him, because they lived before him, before his death and resurrection, they could not receive in their lifetimes all that he had promised. And so we see that the people who were chosen and the stories that they tell point us towards things that are given in an even greater sense through Jesus. Abraham might have been given some land, but through Jesus, we enter the eternal city, the Bible says. Noah and his family were saved in the ark from the flood, but in Jesus, we will be saved from death through the waters of baptism. Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and into the Promised Land, but in Jesus we are released from our slavery to sin and are born into eternal life. So the faith of these believers listed here and the blessings that they receive, they point towards only in part the even greater blessings that those who have faith in Jesus will receive they received something physically and they point towards something greater in a spiritual sense through Christ. So what about Rahab? What does Rahab's faith point to? Firstly, the fact that Rahab's faith enables her to be included in the people of Israel points forward to the fact that in Christ, the people of God are no longer defined by ethnicity or by geography, or by some kind of acceptability in human standards. Jesus, in his ministry, begins to uh, blow out this sense of the boundaries of the people of God, and the teaching of the New Testament explains it and develops it. And indeed, it's people like Rahab, people who are on the outside, whom Jesus shows special concern for, The same reversal of expectation that we see in Rahab's story where the good Israelite Israelite soldiers fail and are shown up by a foreign prostitute is seen all throughout the Gospels. Number two, Rahab's invoking of the hesed, this kindness, loyalty uh, of the Israelites towards her, This idea that she says of kindness in response to kindness highlights the kindness and mercy of God. So Rahab doesn't just uh, believe in God. She doesn't just believe that God is powerful. She doesn't just believe that God is powerful and he's going to win the city, so she has to side with God and his people. No, Rahab's faith is in the mercy of God towards her and it's lived out by her in mercy towards others. Rahab's story kind of highlights the tension between divine judgment and divine mercy. And it reveals that mercy triumphs over judgment. Not just in the New Testament, but even in the Old Rahab knows that there is this rule that the whole city, everything in it is meant to be destroyed including her but she claims the mercy of God she believes that God is a merciful God and that if she comes to him in faith she will receive mercy this is a really important example for us because this is the gospel of Jesus that mercy triumphs over judgment. And through faith in Jesus, we claim the mercy of God towards us so that we might not perish but live. What I love about the inclusion of Rahab in this list (coughs) is that one day... Rahab will receive more than she ever imagined. In our Bibles, she's forever known as Rahab the prostitute. That's who she is. Her life was spared. She lived with Israel. But she was always a foreigner. Always defined by who she had been. But I think that the book teaches us that in some sense, Rahab, as all these people in Hebrews 11... Rahab is not just uh, the other, but Rahab is our sister, our mother in Christ. Through Jesus, though she never knew him, Rahab will have more than she ever imagined and will experience full inclusion on equal terms in the people of God. With no regard to her gender or to her race, or to her form of profession. Verse 21 says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By faith, Rahab proves to us that God does not exclude people based on their race or their gender or their moral performance. Rahab proves to us That God's mercy triumphs over judgment. So, what about for us today? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our situation is different to that of these people listed here. Uh, They looked forward to things that they could not even have known they looked forward to. We have a fuller picture. God has shown us more. But this same kind of double horizon applies the present and the future. And some things that God has promised will not come to fruition until the end of history but through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives to us who believe in him. We have access to glimpses of some of these future things now. In fact, uh, most people who write about this passage will tell you that um, our translations that we already read give this verse far too much of a future sense. It should be much more present, in fact. Something like, faith is the reality of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is living in accord with the reality of the things that we hope for, or living as though the things that we hope for are real. The sense is that when we live by faith, when we act in faith, when we pursue what God pursues, when we act obediently, we prove that the future hope is real and we make it real. Living by faith, we experience God's power in our lives and we confirm his reality. Which means that the times when we feel discouraged, the times when we feel deflated and like the things that we hope for are so far off. Our inclination is to shrink back from faith. Our inclination is to feel like giving up. Our inclination is to feel that maybe it's not worth it. But these are the times when faith is most powerful. And these are the times when faith is most transformative. So the challenge from Hebrews 11 this morning is this. If you don't see the things that you want to see, if the world doesn't work the way that you want it to work, and if those things that you want to see in the world come from the heart of God, come from the Word of God are things that you believe that God will bring about in our world and that God wants to see in our world. even now now is the time to open your eyes of faith, to not shrink back from faith, but to act in faith, to move forward in the transforming power. Of Jesus. Often we say, I can't see it, so I can't believe it. But I think this says to us, if you want to see it, you must believe. I'm going to pray for us. Our Father God, we thank you for these people. Uh, that you have revealed yourself to and through, Lord, that you have shown us your ways with us through the people that we read about in your scriptures. We thank you for Rahab. And we thank you, God, that she is our mother and our sister in Christ and that she reveals to us Uh, your love and your mercy, no matter how outside or other we might feel or be. God, we thank you for the faith that you give us, the hope that you give us, that things can be different to how they are. And Lord, we pray that you would be at work in us to bring that about in our world. Amen.